welcome back to Finding Your Stride. Today our episode's about student engagement, and our guest today is a high school U.S. history and sociology teacher from Indianapolis. She was this year's Southside Times Educator of the Year, and she was the 2018 recipient of the Gilder Layerman History Teacher of the Year Award. And, not to mention, she's also been a key consultant on Ken Burns' documentary, Vietnam. Susan Tomlinson is here today joining us, and we feel so lucky to have her. Susan is well-known by her colleagues for her high levels of student engagement. Susan, thank you so much for joining us via Zoom today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Brandon. Great. We're so excited. I bet you're excited. Uh, your last day of school is coming up, right? Uh, no, actually, my last day of school was a week ago. Oh, so. a week ago. Oh, my gosh. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah it was early this year. It was, yeah, yeah, ours was kind of early this year too. You know, I mean, we had, uh, you know, the pandemic situation, which we were already working mm-hmm. from home, but then we, uh, we just finished up. Well, uh, today was, you know, technically our last day. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us. We really appreciate that. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, you know, we want to kind of just start this interview. You're, you're um, you know, you've, uh, you're kind of well known by your colleagues for being able to engage your students really well. And so this whole piece is on engagement. And so mm-hmm. um, I want to start off and ask you, you know, everyone's kind of different and everyone's attracted to different subjects or different ways of learning. Um, and many teachers find it hard to engage their students. Um, what tends to engage your students the most? Uh, well, first of all, I, I think it's really important that you get to know them and you let them know that you care about them. And so at the beginning of every year or the beginning of the semester, I ask them to tell me a little bit about themselves in writing. Uh, I basically have them finish the question, if, if you really, or finish the sentence, if you really knew me, you'd know. So I want to know about the good, the bad, the um, challenges they may be facing. Just I, I, most of them, when they come to my room, I, I, have, I know nothing about them. And I learn a lot from that. And I go through those in the first weeks of school to put a name and a face to a, a note. And it can be anything from um, something traumatic has happened at home over the summer to I have a new baby sister, <laughs> to um, some, sometimes they, I, I had a, a young lady this year who said, uh, please do not cold call me. I will participate in class, but don't cold call me. And she lived up to that. She would participate in class and I never cold called her. And she, it, 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 knowing that made all of the difference uh, so that she could be comfortable and, um, and she engaged more because of it. Um, I, so I start out trying to get to know them and anything as simple as, um, hey, Ms. Campbell told me that you're doing this in Key Club to um, I saw you at the football game the other night or whatever it might be. That's that kind of engagement uh, one-on-one or in small groups or pairs uh, helps set up the engagement in the classroom. Um, that was a very powerful question I felt like when you said that it really resonated with me you know if you really knew me you would know blank Mm -hmm. Uh, you know I mean we always talk about in education that you know building relationships is you know a hundred percent 
part of behavior management and it's a giant part of student engagement as well. And I just think um, that's, that's amazing to put that question out there and let them feel exposed in a way and share with you something that they right. normally wouldn't do. You know, right. they normally wouldn't tell somebody else. How many students do you teach a year approximately? Um, I teach about 230, 40 or 50 students. Sociology is, I have a different group each semester. In US history, I have pretty much the same kids all year long. My classes are usually between about 24 to 30 or 31 students. Wow. So, and it just, I mean, like just developing that connection with 250 different students a year. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's amazing. That's, that's really awesome. Well, it's, it's kind of the culture of my school also. I mean, something we're, we're expected to stand outside our classrooms um, during the break. Uh, and it's just become a, a school culture to greet them as they come in the door. I mean, these are high schoolers. It's, it's not like, you know, the special handshakes in elementary school. Right. But, it's, but, but however, you know, just saying their name when they come in the door, uh, that helps start class well. Uh, you know I, I, that they're that they're even the ones that are coming at the very end. It's like, hey, we can't start class without you. Come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I teach in elementary and I find that kind of that same thing. You know, the um, the uh, name is a really powerful thing. Um, and very much. Especially um, even if it's a student that's not in your class, trying to know all the different students in the school or at least who, you know, you interact with on a daily basis in that surrounding area. Um, being mm -hmm. able to say their name and greet them, um, it, it really um, says, hey, somebody's noticing me. And it develops that culture, which is so important. Absolutely. That, that I'm a part, I belong here. Mm -hmm. Because when, when you get to high school, it's, our, our school is, we have about 2,600 students. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's huge. But um, we do our best to, we have lots of clubs. That's another form of engagement. Mm -hmm. um, and I sponsor History Club. Um, and that, that's another way of, there are all these little niches where students can find people like them or find people who are different from themselves to learn from, so. Mm -hmm. You know, we spoke about classroom management um, earlier. You know, a lot of educators say the route to classroom management is student engagement. How do you feel like student engagement affects your classroom management? Um, I, it, it, you can't separate the two. Yeah. Um, you, you need, of course, your, your classroom, um, structure and expectation and your, your way of doing things, but you have to have flexibility also. And, um, I, you can't be the sage on the stage and expect mm -hmm. them to really learn from what you're doing because you can't just feed them information. They have to think about it, talk about it, act, act with the information and talk to others because <clears throat> I tell my students, you know, that when somebody says, well, I know what it is, but I can't really say it or I can't really explain it. And I say, you know, I've said that too. But if you can't really explain it, you don't really know it. So you have to figure out how to explain it. So that's why talking to somebody else about your questions, your comments, what you're learning is so important. So I do a lot of turn to your neighbor and talk for 60 seconds. Or here are four questions I want you to answer in a group. 
or you know, gallery walks or whatever it might be. You just, you have to keep them active. You provide them with the information and then you have them do something with it. Um, and, and you give them guidelines that are of what your expectations are. Some, I, sometimes I find that saying, okay, you have five minutes to do this, which is something that if you said, just do this, they could probably take 20 minutes to do it. But if oh, you yeah. give them a, a time a time frame. That makes a difference too. And sometimes I give them, sometimes I put timers up that they can see. Sometimes I give them, you know, uh, one th 60 second warning or whatever. Um, uh, I, I just, it, and this is, this is so, everybody has heard this, but it just is so true. And that's, you know, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. And 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 that that can make all the difference in the world of whether they will work with you and for you or whether they will act out and and try to crack everybody up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or or disengage. So. Right. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, this is a phrase I'm starting to hear a lot in education pop up more and more. And I've heard it in the last couple of years keep coming up. And it's, it's a great point to make that. Um, like you said, um, that kind of the K through 12 education, that sage on the stage mentality is kind of gone. It's being replaced with yeah. what they're calling the guide on the side, you know? Exactly, um, exactly. And, and it's, we're there as educators to guide students and mm -hmm. have them do more of the work without us there um, or with us there guiding them, but less just standing up there and talking, because if we're just standing up there and talking, they're not engaging. And that's when the behavior problems start to manifest a lot of time. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, is although I haven't really seen any studies about it for a long time. Uh, I, when, when I was in graduate school, learning styles was all the rage uh, mm -hmm. in terms of, of managing that, which I think has great merit, but, but it's, it's quite true. I, I mean, um, you, you have to understand that you have to be quite varied in how you work with students because, I mean, think of yourself, you know, and mm -hmm. what your strengths are and what you like or don't like. Um, I, I've told my students there are two things that I don't like that, that really frustrate me with teach with as a student. One is when things go too fast and I just can't get it. But on the other hand, the other thing I find incredibly frustrating is when I know all this stuff and I, let's move on. Right. <laughs> so, and there's everything else in between too. But mm -hmm. I think that allowing them to know that not everybody learns the same. And sometimes we do this for this reason. And sometimes we just, sometimes we have to speed up a little bit. Sometimes we have to slow down a little bit. And if you have questions and if you feel, and you should feel comfortable, ask, ask for more, ask for slow down, ask for, you know, speed up or can I move on? That's and I think once again, we can tie that back to, like you were saying, relationships. A lot of times they're not going to be comfortable asking you to slow down or repeat right. unless they're comfortable with you. And that's what right. relationships do. They build a comfort zone. Right. And, and I think, I mean, you know this in elementary school, but for me in, 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 in high school, I get up and walk around the room a lot, mm -hmm. a lot, because there are so many students that won't ask me in front of everybody else. But if I'm standing right beside them and say, how you doing? Are you having any questions? Then they'll ask me. And yeah, that, absolutely. 
that made e-learning so hard. Oh yeah. Because I'm sitting here looking at them. Some of them I can see, some of them I just see their names. And if they're gonna ask, I mean, every once in a while somebody would privately ask me a question, but not not usually. And yeah. and 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 they didn't talk as much individually as they normally would in class either. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's the, the e-learning part was a less developed culture. It will be interesting to see how that evolves. I agree. And, and I think um, going off on a side tangent here with <laughs> e-learning, you know, I, I think that um, it, it kind of showed this magnifying glass on um, some students um, performed better or some students performed worse under that magnifying glass like and it really made them come out because like students who didn't get it you were really able to see they didn't get and students who got it it's like wow you gave me something I didn't know you were capable of Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and I think that was really great and a great tell and I think that that even can translate into the classroom I was thinking about you know, taking, um, like, you know, utilizing, I've already had Google Classroom in, in my classroom already, but just taking that, you know, from into the elementary setting and then taking that and even making that like a center um, and having it like, uh, I can assign centers within Google Classroom and then mm-hmm. let them work on that even in, in an independent setting. And that would really shine a light on how well they know something in that way. And you know, bring that magnifying glass back with me into the classroom. So, right. I, one thing with e-learning that I found that, that I, I delved into more, um, because I could, we basically were free to cover the curriculum, however we so chose. So I used Mm -hmm. that as an opportunity to do things the way I wanted to do them. And so I gave students more choices this week, your assignment for Tuesday, Wednesday is, do this or do this. So you, and I don't usually do that. Um, And I did that quite frequently. And I found that that having that choice resulted in more depth of uh, completion for for many students because they chose the one they wanted to do. Um, Absolutely. And and so I I learned a lot about engagement from e-learning, although I didn't come out of the experience feeling that I'd excelled in student <laughs> engagement with e-learning, but I'm working on it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it's a new frontier, right? Something new. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, uh, and going back to that, it's like if you think about like you had to go through a lot of planning and preparation to make all those right. different pieces to give them all mm-hmm. those different options. When you're in the normal classroom setting would you say that planning and preparation play a strong role in developing high levels of student engagement? Absolutely. Um, I, when, as I was thinking about this question, I was thinking if you, if you challenged me to go into a room full of high school students who I didn't even know, I could keep them engaged for half an hour. You know, mm-hmm. I could do a dog and pony show and ask questions back and forth, but um, I, 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 I could do something fun, but as a social studies teacher, it's really my goal to to help develop active citizens who know our history and know about our our um, multicultural um, nation and have an appreciation for a variety of viewpoints. And so that takes some real planning. 
And that takes a development of being able to create a, um, well, first of all, you have to have objectives. I, I mean, sure, you can go into a classroom and, and um, I mean, I've been teaching for a long time. I've had a couple of opportunities to teach classes where I could make everything up. They weren't necessarily a part of the achievement test track and uh, we could have a lot of fun. <laughs> I've, done, I've, done, I've done those things, you know? Right. But, but when it comes to what's really uh, meaningful in educating students and preparing them to be active citizens, you, it, 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 takes, um, it takes planning to work with students, to teach them to respect others' opinions, to teach them how to look at a variety of sources and opinions, how to be critical thinkers, how to be open to new ideas, how to formulate questions, how to formulate arguments, that takes work. It doesn't just happen by sitting around talking about stuff you're interested in. For sure. Um, and, and in teaching, for example, in teaching sociology, one thing that um, I, I like to do in that, we, 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 I mean, sociology is an opportunity to speak, is to talk about a lot of issues that, that um, adolescents are interested in whether it's crime and punishment or adolescent issues or um, uh, sociology of education, sociology of religion, um, we, we take a look at data and statistics and, and take a look at um, what authors are, what authors' biases might be. And, and that's what helps make active citizens also. And that takes a lot of work to find good or sometimes not good articles <laughs> right <laughs> you know um and and so um they really they 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 need to possess those skills and and a foundation of knowledge so that when they leave high school they're ready whether it's trade school the military college uh university community college a job some kind of training um, they're going to come in contact with a whole lot of different kinds of people and they, they need to understand people and work well with them and learn more about who they themselves are. So, yeah. And I mean, especially teaching sociology to high school level students, you know, they, I'm sure they can take that, the information that you present to them and apply mm -hmm. that immediately to their surroundings and people they've met and, you know, a lot of things like that. And just bringing that connection, making that connection to them mm -hmm. and their life and bringing that in, I'm sure that plays huge um, piece of engagement in your classroom. So. It, I, I, I have a couple of projects that I do with them. One is when we study adolescence, I give them a situation where I tell them that they have to choose an issue of adolescence, whether it's teen pregnancy, drug and, abuse, drug and alcohol abuse, um, abusive relationships, there, there are several things they can choose from, and they have to write a grant proposal for $100,000 for a program that will prevent that problem that will and that will help those who are dealing with the problem. And they have to take a look at current programs in our state and in other states and decide you know, how they'll implement that, whether it's counseling, whether, I mean, it's been anything from, you know, um, 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 assemblies, um, um, helplines, 
uh, an app to um, check for uh, suicidal language. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's been amazing to see what they can come up with. So they're really, they're using what they learn from other programs and then create their own proposal. And they have $100,000, which doesn't go really far when you're looking at salaries, <laughs> but uh, it gives them something to work with. Right, right. Now, let me ask you this. Um, going to when something goes wrong, what happens when that goes wrong? You know, most educators, like, you know, you've had many years in the classroom. When you're looking around, um, you there are signs when something doesn't go quite well, like when a lesson goes poorly. You can see the looks on students' faces. Um, you can see how much they paid attention by their exit ticket scores. Um, there's a lot of clues that give insight into the level of engagement that occurred in the classroom with your lesson. So it's really what we, it's really about how we take that information and process that and what we do with it. So when you have a lesson that kind of goes poorly, what do you do to correct for that? Um, well, I'm flexible. I, well, first of all, I don't beat myself up about it mm -hmm. because ev everything that you try that's new, you, there's no guarantee it's going to work. Um, and just about anything I do, I change it the, sec the next time I do it mm -hmm. uh, just to improve it. But um, I, it could be that I change the direction uh, I ask different questions. Um, I may stop everything and ask them to very quickly write down an answer. Uh, maybe write it down and hand it in and we anonymously take a look at the questions or sometimes I have them um, go ahead and use their computer and type it in so that it's it can be anonymous like in the form of a word cloud or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, Although most of most of the things I have them type, I, I want to know who's saying it. <laughs> uh, but but um, I it, it it partly goes back to knowing your kids too. I mean sometimes um, I mean sometimes I just ask them, you know, is this worth doing again? Sometimes it's you know, okay, you're my first class of the day. I, I I'm not sure. Should I do it this way next class or should I skip this part? I mean I ask them. You know, there's a running joke around among teachers. And I mean, it's totally true that your first class you teach is the dry run, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we always feel sorry for the kids we taught at the beginning of the day versus the kids we taught at the end of the day, because it's yeah. gotten perfected by the end. Yes, of Yes, absolutely. But lucky for me, my first, I, I, uh, I have a long commute, so I have to get up really early in the morning. So by the time I get to first period, in fact, the first day of school, I apologized to my first period class. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm like this every day. I'm going to be this perky. I'm going to be this on. And, and, and I'll probably get on your nerves sometimes, but I'm like this every day. <laughs> I've already been up for three and a half hours. Um, mm -hmm. so, so that helps with first period. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, it, and it sometimes it just doesn't work. And sometimes the kids don't get it. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're just not up to it. You know, sometimes yeah. fun, funky things happen in the classroom that it's like, well, that didn't go well as I planned, but um, you can, you, you just, you, you learn from it and you make it better next time. And I think it's really important that you said be flexible. I mean, whether you're changing on the spot or you're making right. the change to your next period or you're making a change to next year's plans. I mean, right. you gotta exactly. be flexible.
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you had to pick two strategies that educators could do immediately mm-hmm. right now, they could listen to this podcast, our listeners could listen in and they could hear you and you could pick two strategies for them to walk away with and immediately take to their classroom to increase student engagement. What would it be? Um, I, I like to give kids a task where they work in a small group and they have to create a Google slide and then act it out. Mm. That works for me. Um, and I, I, um, I got that idea from, I can't remember his name now. He wrote, uh, teach like a pirate. <laughs> oh, I love him. I can't remember yeah. his name either. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he just was incredibly engaging for, you know, like about 300 people who were all different grade levels and, and subjects. And anyway, I, with, with him, I got the idea and one, one thing that I do, here's just one quick example. Um, when we study the 1920s in U.S. history, I give them an assignment called Riding in Style. Mm-hmm. And they have to research the different cars from that time period. They have to tell me where they are and where they're going for their drive in the car. That's the <laughs> 20s. No speakeasies. <laughs> I make that very... <laughs> that funny. will not work. Uh, but... But they can go to the beach. They can go, you know, to um, to a restaurant. They can go for a picnic in the country. But they also have to tell me what they're wearing. So they have to go through the fashions of the day. No. Uh, and they also, I have a list of 1920s slang. So they can use that. Um, and so they create what what the scene would be. But then they write a script that they then read. And they sit, they sit in the front of the classroom like they're all in a car. Uh, and they just, it, it's, it takes about, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes. And then they do their presentations. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it is engaging. They use the vocabulary that we're studying. They, they know about, you know, the, the uh, you know, some of them talk about working at Ford Motor Company. Um, <laughs> they're just, they're, there are so many different things that can factor in that they've just applied um, so many things and and had fun doing it. Right. Um, that, that would be one thing. Um, the other would be uh, Mentimeter, menti.com. Um, that's, that is, I've used it for word clouds and I've mm-hmm. used it for short, like two questions. If the free subscription is M-E-N-T-I, menti.com or Mentimeter. Um, and you can start your class with two questions for the free, the, the free version. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you can immediately pull your students about something uh, to start class and you can start from there. So that helps get them engaged um, and you get to see what they think. Um, and that those, those are two things that really help engage them. And, and I've been using SurveyMonkey too. Mm-hmm. Um, in, soci- in sociology, but that's, I don't know that lots of people would want to use that. Have you, are you familiar with the, um, it's a Japanese presenting model called Petra Kucha? I am not. So it's really interesting. They, it's 20 slides and I think 20 minutes or something like that. And basically mm-hmm. what happens is it's supposed to be to keep meetings super efficient and um, you put up a slide, you get one minute to talk about, there are 20 slides um, and it's meant to go really fast. Well, I took that model myself 
and I cut it down to 10 minutes or yeah, and 10 slides. And what I did was um, at the beginning of like a unit, what I'll do is I'll put up pictures that reference the unit and they have mm -hmm. 60 seconds instead of me talking for them to talk and try to figure out what the unit's about. And so that's something I do to engage them. And it takes like 10 minutes. Um, you could cut it down even further. I've done it in 10 slides, 30 seconds each slide to do it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. But um, I thought that was a really fun thing to do. I learned that when I was at a STEM training. So it's neat. <laughs> so much to learn. I mean, that's one thing about teaching. I'm, I'm, I'm never bored. <laughs> Yeah, there's always new new things and new techniques, which is, you know, why I wanted to start this podcast. There are so many educators all across the world, you know, and they everybody's got something novel to share. And I, I just mm -hmm. think that's so fun. Well, my last question is um, one about, you know, certain tools. What's one tool that you absolutely love? That's your favorite? Um. When it comes to resources, honestly, it's other people. Mm -hmm. I, I, I try to have other people be a part of what my students learn about, um, whether it is uh, parents or uh, we have Indianapolis has nine sister cities. And so we've been able to make connections with several of them. Um, my, uh, my class has um, on a couple of occasions um, done a, a Skype with a, an elementary school in Peron, Slovenia. Mm -hmm. um, and and um, I've had civil rights leaders who've come to our, uh, who've, who have either been in person or by Skype come speak to my students, veterans. Um, I can tell them so much, but when I bring people in to tell their stories, that is, is incredibly powerful. And, and a tool, actually a very good tool is um, StoryCorps. Are you familiar with StoryCorps? I am not. Okay, StoryCorps, C-O-R-P-S. Um, they, it is an effort to get people to interview each other, submit it to StoryCorps, and they will archive it at the Library of Congress. And they, on national public radio, every week, there's like a three-minute story. And they have, if you go to um, the, they, they have a special program around Thanksgiving. Uh, and when I say program, I mean they encourage students to interview their relatives the day after Thanksgiving because <laughs> most people are around their, their relatives right, around yeah. Thanksgiving. And they have an absolutely amazing list of questions that are really good interview questions and they have them categorized it could be interview questions for veterans questions for someone who's older questions for someone to talk about someone who's passed away um, and they during the pandemic they have put together instructions for how you can do it remotely and submit it to them, and they'll submit it to the Library of Congress for archiving. It has some of the most amazing stories that they put into about three minutes of snippets that you, if you, if you get online, it's anything from, uh, let me put it this way, it was on Friday mornings when I would drive to work, and on Fridays, I would make sure not to put on any mascara before I left for school, because oh, I would probably be crying <laughs> at some point. But good, I mean, okay, anything from 
um, people who there, there was a, a a young Down syndrome daughter who interviewed her father about what it was like to raise a daughter with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. There were people who interviewed each other about what it was like to live through Hurricane Katrina. Uh, there were people who who talked about how did you meet mom? You know? No, it's it's just. It's it's wonderful stories, and so StoryCorps um, is is one tool that if you don't know about it, you should look into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I I wrote it down here because that sounds amazing. I would love to do that with my students, and I think that would be great. And and I also want to say I like I think it's such a great idea um, about bringing people from the community into mm-hmm. your classroom to speak to your students. Um, you know, I always joke with my colleagues that, you know, if it doesn't matter who walks into my classroom, if it's anybody other than me, they're immediately engaged, you know, and that is 100% a way to get students to engage when somebody else right. is in your classroom speaking, that's not you. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, and to give them such a, you know, a, a unique view of the world, getting to see, talk about jobs or, you know, different you know, uh, roles in the community leadership and things like that, and bringing that into the classroom, getting students to feel a sense of belonging within the community, and then just, you know, exposing them to that. I think that's, I think that's an excellent tool and resource in itself. Mm -hmm. It is. It really is. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate you having on our podcast. You've brought so many resources and tips and keys to success for everyone to hear and hopefully take back to their classrooms and share with their colleagues. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Finding Your Stride. I'm Brandon Handy, and I hope to help you find your stride today. Join us next time for another episode of Finding Your Stride.